on. Let me hit record. Okay. Now we're recording. We're going to start the show shortly. You're listening to the pre-show. Fred's about to speak. Yeah, we were talking about me turning 67, and I think you said I don't have much time. I don't have much time. (laughs) I thought you were going for 84. Who? Howard. Oh, probably. He'll make it. Yeah. I was just reading the sad story, (laughs) the sad, sad story of Bruce Willis. Oh, yes. Yes. And then I clicking around, and then the um, sad, sad story of um, Eugene Melnick. Yeah. you know, he was 62, owned the Ottawa Senators, you know, owned the generic drug company or whatever it was he had. Um, just sad. And Bruce Willis, a lot to live for. We all have a lot to live for. But really, you know, still a relatively uh, healthy man, body wise, and dementia has taken him. It's sad. Again, you know, every yeah, day. embrace every day. Can you do me a favor? And, and, and if you wouldn't mind turning up your mic just a tiny little okay. bit. What do you call that? Uh, Carpe diem. diem. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. You'll pay me a per diem. Yeah. <laughs> the Latin. No, that's the uh, the Latin is carpe diem. The Hebrew is pay me a per diem. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us creating a racist comedy right off the See, start of this program. Of li- that's one of those lines there that if I thought of it, I couldn't say it. But you can say it because you're of the faith. <laughs> what carpe diem? No, the other I one. Know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I remember I, we were looking at houses years ago, and we went into that sign was up there, Carpe, Carpe Diem or whatever. Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem. <laughs> and I remember, I didn't, honestly, how I, you know, I don't know. I walked in and I saw the sign. I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what nationality they are. Like, <laughs> <laughs> They're Roman. <laughs> <laughs> from from Roman times. I'm thinking, oh, that's some, oh, that's some little thing in their language, you know. Yeah. Listen, not I think we got to... appreciating the saying. I think we have a good head of steam up here. Let's not uh, waste it by not starting the show, Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our Brampton facility with a fool, and from Lisa's house in Peterborough. Aww. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, Architect Outdoor Living, and our newest returning sponsor, Palma Pasta. And now, here are two men who want to wear shorts all the time because they think their legs are their best feature. It's Humble and Fred. So, emails Thursdays now because we're on our summer schedule. If you're new to the show, a couple summers ago, we decided with not much time left in our lives, we were going to go back to a three-day schedule from a four-day schedule, but we're still producing a fourth show. Yes, Fred? You sound a bit weird to me. Does he sound all right to you, Howard? Or, uh, Dan? No, I'm sorry. I had the original sound was off. Sorry. Oh, there we go. There we go. I mean, generally, I sound a little bit weird to you. So, uh, we're, in other years, we just did three shows. I think this is the third summer we've done this. But in, in this year of our Lord, 2023, with the email show brought to you by Palma Pasta, there will be, in effect, a fourth show that will be Thursdays now. Uh, so, just everyone be aware of the schedule. You know, Fred and I had a lot of discussions into in, in fairness you were more concerned than i was because you're the program director i'm the sales manager 
But I said to you, you know, all the top podcasts, of which we're one of them, they all just do once a week. You know, Smart List, all those shows on uh, on Apple iTunes, they're once a week shows. The only other podcast I know of that just dribbles it out four days a week is Toronto Mike. Well, again, I would counter that with this. Um, when you're talking Smart List, I mean, honestly, that's a whole different league, those ones. They're paid $20 million a year, apparently, for once a week. Why are we one of the most successful, if not the most successful, independent podcasts in Canada? It's because we've, we've handled the, the platform a little differently than most. And part of that is a daily show or four days a week. Yeah, I don't disagree. And, I'm, a, and by the way, I'm not putting... That's put the it, way I look I, at I it. I know, yeah, I'm, but I, I'm not disagreeing that... And I certainly don't disagree that we're not in the same stratosphere as the wonderful smartness and these type of things. But we are... I'm just saying, the format of podcasting is generally a once-a-week yes. offering. Our, our friend and, uh, you know, our guest today, Paul Romanuk, the walrus was Paul. I'm not even sure he puts out one a week. That guy spends, like, dozens of hours editing it. It's a, it's a big production. I'm only saying that, you know, we're, we're already offering three and four times the, the number of shows most podcasters do. Anyway. Oh, I know. But we also have a revenue situation that a lot of them don't either and uh, We're actually having an on-air meeting well here. no i know no this is this is actually revealing what the off-air meeting was and as the sales department i said listen the way we sell the show now isn't monthly anymore it's yeah. basically by the show and you know like a, a new we're, we're actually bringing a, uh, on board another new sponsor in the next couple of weeks and i just had the discussion with him i said listen you know, it's it's not just going to be three months. It's probably going to end up being, being four months because we're only doing three shows a week. So anyway. Well, you know, I've always been a bit of a nervous Nelly. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. my anxiety yes. issues, you know, keep me up. And- your, your, your Latin phrase is carpe anxiety. <laughs> How do they do it? Volume. Yeah, That's exactly. Dan Duran, you uh, you've been in this radio business for a long time. What are where do you what what are your feelings about the world of podcasting? This discussion that we're having now, or just something in general, Dan? <laughs> well, I think that uh, well, now you've got an opening on Friday. So, what was Fred talking about yesterday about having another another special show just for something or other? Or a special day. It was, I think, a special uh, day you start. Oh, shit, your pants day, right? Yeah, so do that on Friday. <laughs> yeah, but then <laughs> went, wait, but we were going to do shit your pants Wednesdays. Then what will we do oh, on Wednesdays? Right, yeah. Well, then we could bump Wednesday show to the Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the thing you remember from yesterday's show. What was that special mm. show you guys were going to do? Was it that travel show? Oh, no, no. It was Incontinence Fridays. That's right. <laughs> Brought yes, to you by Depends. There's those guys talking about shit again. I'm Dan like Duran. The email show, you can you can package it early. I was so going to say exactly. Yeah, and you could do one of your big voice things. The shit your your shit yourself Fridays. Brought to you by Depends. Right. When you know, back to the sadness uh, you said, or the how what a drag it is for you know a guy like Bruce Willis or Melnick getting early onset dementia or Alzheimer's. You know, statistically, one of the three of us is going to lose our marbles. <laughs> I just think that we should keep doing the show until that happens and then a little bit beyond. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I'm dealing with right now is um, 
I got. I, I have to get my wife to repeat herself all the time. No, I'm I'm caught in the middle. I'm going to have my hearing checked. Pardon me. <laughs> I'm going to have my hearing checked because, as you said, I'm going to be 67, and it, maybe it's one of the things you do along the line. But I don't have to get a lot of other people to repeat themselves. I I got to get her to repeat herself, and I can tell sometimes she's she finds it a bit annoying when I go, "Pardon, like say that again." Um, but you know she's a oh, she's, she's a very low talker. talker. She's a she's soft a low talker. So the thing is, I'm not going to argue. Like you know, speak up. I'm just going to go have my ears tested, my hearing tested, and then and then deal with the results. I'm, it's going to be oh boy, you know I got a hearing issue or doll. Speak up. You know, they, the guys that do uh, hearing tests, those doctors or whatever, they recommend just like you go to the dentist on a regular <laughs> basis, you should have your hearing checked on a regular basis. Well, I, I think, no, I'm just, <laughs> just laughing at him because he's going to find out. The, well, you're right, Dan. You should have your hearing checked. But I, yes, you should. <laughs> I'm being serious. No, I know you are, but I'm still I laughing know. about him. I kept thinking, okay, what kind of hearing aids is he going to get? And he'll be like, I don't want to spend too much money. <laughs> so he's going to show up one day with a fucking horn. <laughs> It's yeah. going to be the cheapest yeah. option. He's going to like have one of those, what, what a horns? Cone. A cone. <laughs> He's going to have to have one headphone off again like in the old days. Fucking cone. Sorry, Dan. I apologize. Yeah. Just the idea of him going out to get hearing aids and then trying to cheap out yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on that point, you know, hearing aids. Yes, that's, hearing that's aids. That's one of the biggest, I, I'm not going to say crime, mm. but the price of hearing aids with today's level of technology, I just don't get it. Old people are spending like six, seven thousand dollars on these hearing aids. You know what I mean? And you can for two hundred and fifty bucks, you can get earbuds from Apple that are not that it's they're the same thing. But you're going to tell me the technology isn't there? I, I haven't looked aid. into it. I didn't know it was that expensive. I oh, didn't know I, either. Mother, wow. Oh yeah, my mother-in-law has gone through it. My mother went through it. Thousands of dollars. You know, it was the same thing with prescription glasses. But these online glasses place now they're turning that industry upside down because what you would have paid for five and six hundred dollars for a pair of glasses now online you can get them for 150 175 well why don't you take the savings from your glasses and invest it into some hearing you know, oh, well, i'm apparatus. not sure i need them yet howard <laughs> there's got to be a cheaper version than that dan uh, you were saying older people check your hearing Check, get checked out. Check it. Yeah, check, check regularly. Not even yes. that uh, younger, just to get a baseline. Yeah. So you have, you know, an idea of where you are, what frequencies yeah. you can hear, and maybe, maybe Fred's, uh, Fred's hearing is, is low frequency is dissipating. Yeah. Yeah. Or just uh, the frequencies that doll speaks in is are somewhat true. Important. True. But I'll tell you that you know me more than you two because. I've had my headphones way too loud for way too long. I'm trying to dial it back now that you're not in the studio. And I, I've noticed that I've been able to maybe cut in a third where I used to ho hold them. But Dan, you know, you, well, him, not so much, but we've been literally having your, your phones are pretty loud, too. Yeah, they are. I've got mine maximum, but it's not loud enough. My system can't crank them loud enough. I thought and, about so getting there, an there, amplifier. So there's some hearing loss in that for sure I, there is yeah and like you and the older you get the higher the the your higher end goes first so the the top frequencies <clears throat> decline the most mm. yeah the yeah you know that's a good point because obviously it's not a black and white thing like what you can't hear black different. people 
<laughs> no. Um, That's racist, Fred. I'm not going there, Howard, because even making a joke along the way, I may step in some something. Mm. Anyway, um, no, but... That's good, you know, highs and lows and stuff like that. So I'm saying it's just not hearing yes, hearing no. There's a lot in between. But you remind me of that because I had my hearing tested a few years ago and everything was fine. I forget, I forget what prompted that. But um, the last I haven't had it done for a long time, but I I, I think I've told you the story. It's, it's it makes me laugh even thinking about it. So when I first got my pilot's license, and I mentioned I was a pilot. When I first got, you have to have an aviation medical. It's not just a medical from your doctor. It's a doctor that they choose that does a certain type of medical for to, to keep to see if you're fit for flying. After age 40, I think before age 40, it's every couple of years. After age 40, it's every year or so. I could be getting it wrong, but it's pretty frequent to keep your license. Right. They send me to this guy in uh, Hamilton. Older guy. He's been doing it for years. At the time I saw him, I was uh, in my early 40s. He had to be in his 80s. I mean, he's one of those old guys. Kept go- Kept on going. And I guess they get paid extra money to do it. So we go into the office. It's a regular physical, a few other things, colorblind test. And then he said, okay, I'm going to test your hearing. And I was thinking, oh, the, it's going to be some kind of apparatus. You know, I didn't, didn't know what they would use. But I think, you know, for aviation, it's got to be something. <laughs> and this is true. I was in his office and he said, okay, turn, turn away from me. And he started doing this. Can you hear me? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? He goes, can you hear this? I'm fucking I'm like that's the te- can you hear me <laughs> that was I swear that was the extent of the, of the audio portion you of should, the hear you should have said, obviously you're not into technology <laughs> the technology was him whispering can you hear me <laughs> can you see me that's right hey buddy I, I ran into a famous uh, just remember this a famous Brampton doctor Alan Thicke's dad. Oh, did you? Oh, nice. Yeah, I just remembered a couple weeks ago, he's a member uh, at uh, some club link course. He's in, he's in his 80s. He comes dawdling up, sees mm-hmm. me, says hi. We start talking. And he's, quickly, the, how it started was he had a, a sticker on his car that said COPA. It's the Canadian Association of Pilots. And I said, oh, you're a pilot. He goes, I still am. And I said, well, I used to be a pilot. We started talking flying. And he said something about his son. I said, well, who is your son? He said, my son was Alan Thick. And I was like, oh, my goodness, sir. Uh, you know, for, we had a chance to meet him. I, I, I did some commercials with him back in the old studios. Remember, he was in there doing some. Uh, this was during the time of Humble and Fred, remember? Vaguely. He he came in for a series of tel- of commercials that we shot, Little Redfish uh, production company. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, so I he's he I I just remembered he was like a Brampton doctor for years. Yes, in fact, I know people that Dan does too. That was their family doctor. Oh, the Laird family. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> but sad when a guy that age talking about his son who who died. I can't remember Alan Thick died. Somewhere in the last decade, but we you know yeah, it before. Was shocking because yeah. he always looks so. Alan Thick, oh, really? He looked like the epitome of uh, health. Yeah. Remember, he had a good glow to him and slim and good-looking man. Just shows you. Just shows you. Doesn't it show you? Shows it shows you. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, listen. What about your uh, your general health? Are you well? Do you have anything to report? Because this, you know, you're going to be around for the news. I know you got to come to the city, but will yeah. you favor us with news? 
Yeah, no, news is good. Yeah, we're good for news. I was going to send you this story, but then I've, I've it's long. It's been a couple of days, so I know where the link is. But the headline I saw was remote workers drink and do more drugs, according to this study. <laughs> I saw that and I was like remote people. That, so what you're saying is people that get to work at home, drink more and do more drugs. Well, that's shocking. Yeah. I guess that's, you know, again, one of those issues created by uh, the pandemic. You know, the pandemic has so many tentacles, mm-hmm. issues and problems and good things and bad. I guess that might be one of the bad ones. Well, you think you if you sit it, there having a beer going all the, day or absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I talked to somebody who uh, I won't I won't say who, but they, they they handle a bunch of people. They've got a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the HR problem, not not so much regardless of this or regardless of this, but it was on the same thing. And he said, you know, one of the problems we have is people showing up, showing up, sort of having been drinking early in the morning, like dr- people wow. that drink before they go to work. You know, that's a, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of the people that has a maybe a, a, a bias towards drinking early in the morning, if you're not working at an office. Mm-hmm. You can have like Bailey's with your coffee, a beer with lunch, you know, a margarita in the afternoon, <laughs> glass of wine at the end of the day. But I just saw that headline. That. So what you're saying is people that have no supervision, what they are doing more of than people who have supervision is drinking and doing drugs. Well, remember one of our first general managers together. We won't name him. It's I not. know what you're talking about, but there was. There was there was like morning morning bill and afternoon bill. Oh yeah, because <laughs> at lunch was the white wine, <laughs> and he just came in with a glow in the afternoon, a completely different personality. Mm. Business bill, and then hey, <laughs> hey, fun bill. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're not mentioning his name. Well, Crashing I didn't bill. say it. There's a lot of bills. Uh, yes. A lot of that bills. guy should have been a friend of Bill. <laughs> um. On the on uh, you know drinking and what have you. Tell me about this. Last uh, yesterday, I'm driving down Cawthra. I'm behind this car at a red light. All of a sudden, this big plume of smoke comes out of the car. He had his window down, driver's side, obviously. And then I, I immediately realize it's marijuana. Mm-hmm. Like a huge cloud comes out. I could really smell it. Is that is that not illegal? Absolutely, yeah. it is. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> And then I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should take the guy's license plate and you call the cops. <laughs> well, I didn't. But I'm thinking, just so blatant. Like, you know, blatant. And I well, thought, it's yeah. the same kind of guy that would, uh, you know, before easily available marijuana, would have a beer. You know, or I get something, it. You know, in a, in, a, in a drink cup or something, right? And I'm just thinking, you know, friends, family on the road, and then these flagrant bastards that just don't seem to care about other people. Yeah, I don't know, because uh, I know two of the three of us on this, in this meeting today, have driven high. And don't say you haven't, Dan, because I know you have. Um. And I think it's different. I mean, I haven't driven like so high that I can't stand, get out of a, of a chair. But I, you know, I've been a little bit high. I've also driven drunk too. And I don't know about you two. I won't say you have, but I know I've driven at, at the legal limit or thereabouts. 
Well, that's it. Point zero eight drinking. When you realize that, you know, two regular beers might put you around the point zero eight mm-hmm. point, right? And you're not supposed to drive. What's the equivalent of of smoking marijuana? You know what I mean? Like that's kind like, of where I was you, headed with this because, yeah. and, I, and I've said this to you guys before. The problem with marijuana is that you can have a couple of beers and not blow over, as we would say. Have a bit of a glow on. Leave the party. Feel fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to circle back in a second and saying we've all driven around the legal limit. I know Absolutely. I've driven over the legal limit. I'll just say it. I'll be honest. I've, I've oh, when I, in younger years, n- yeah, I, me as well, for yes. sure. I drove home first of all in high school. Many parties I drove along there. There, I've told you this. There's a road that that goes parallel to the Trans Canada, and I came home from lots of farm parties hammered. It's funny, when I was talking the other day with you about, oh, I didn't drink that much in high school, and I thought about it. Yeah, I did. I, I remember going up to these parties and driving my parents' hard car home. But as an adult, I remember coming home from the city to Oakville, not many times, but enough times that it scared me that I knew I was over the limit. The problem with marijuana is, what is over the limit? They don't have language around that. You know, you, Dan, you could be at the house here. Uh, we could get high at 7 o'clock. You know, watch a movie, have something to eat. I think Dan's completely checked out. Cause I no, no, I'm, I'm uh, totally listening. I was, <laughs> looking, up, uh, I was eyes, looking up the limit. Because his eyes I are down. I was watching the clock, uh, you know, <laughs> counting down the seconds to get off He's like, okay, how many fucking minutes do I have to put up with this shit? I'm Dan yeah. goddamn Duran. Yeah. I'm okay, on movie ahead. sets. Continue that story. But you, but the the thing is, you and I could get high, then have something to eat, watch a movie, and you could leave the house still with marijuana in your system. The problem is there doesn't seem to be yet. There probably will a, 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 a an equivalency of point zero eight. Now you, Dan. Uh, well, I, I'm looking that up right now. That's what I was looking up. But okay. you know what? There's. Did you see? I was just backing up a little bit. Uh, Back it up. Backing it up. People impaired at work. Did you see the uh, the speaker uh, in Texas? Yeah. Came up, showed up hammered. Showed up hammered. And uh, any of the audio for that, he was just, he was barely able to get. Why don't you get out. the audio for that for your news? Because I for can't do it. Get, get the, the news. For the news. Yeah, because I'm not sure Fred heard that story. I just saw no. it briefly this morning. Yeah. One of the guys at the uh, Texas uh, legislature, whatever they fucking call it down there in that backwards ass country. Um. But what about, so I, I don't think till now, I don't think they have an equivalency of 0.08 for smoking weed. No, but I think they have the, I think they have the test where they can get you out of the car and test you, you know, the way they do that, the physical test, walk in a straight line, touch your nose, that type of thing. Maybe that on some level, I don't know. I guess it hasn't become that much of an issue because I haven't seen a lot attached to it. Um Although I must say, you know, I really don't like the smell of marijuana <laughs> either. Okay. But that's, a but whole that's you know, that's a, that's another point. I've driven yeah. on the QEW for 33 years. That I've lived here back and forth from Mississauga, where I used to live in Oakville on a, on more than one occasion, f- a few times seen people obviously inebriated weaving in and out of traffic. A couple of times I called the RCMP. Because they weren't just doing that kind of dangerous lane changing. They were weaving in and out. And I'm I'm sure you guys have seen it, too. Mm -hmm. What I've never seen is somebody stoned on marijuana. How do you tell? Because they're not doing that weaving thing. I mean, the joke about weed smokers is they probably just get more careful. 
and more. They're more attentive. It's not like they're looking over on the seat to find their, you know, Cheetos or whatever. But right. it's obvious when you're when you're inebriated, you're you're not able to operate that vehicle. Yeah. But, you know, it's a weird game to play, you know, even those comparisons. It's it always gets down to being a good citizen, right? When you're behind that wheel, you should not really be impaired on any level on anything. But that's uh, that's a pipe dream. But again, if, using this scenario, we come over to visit you guys and, and have a couple of glasses of wine, even though we're around the limit, you know, for guys our size. But we've got a bit of a glow going. Yeah. And, and I've, I've used this when, when legalization happened. I used this analogy. I said the problem with marijuana and legalization is there's no language around being right. slightly high. No, but that well, example you just gave, I mean, that being a good citizen would be if I'm driving home tonight, I shouldn't drink at all. I'm Again, not realistic. And it's a bit of a pipe dream. But but at least the government you never gives, know. But at right? least you're given a number. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. at least you're saying at least what they're saying is if you're slightly drunk, it's OK mm-hmm. to drive. But there's yeah. and I'm getting to the end of this on highway signs. And I've been doing this joke for about three years where they have the thing that says slightly high is too high. And in my act, I was going, that's not true, because slightly high, I could talk to a cop. If I'm too high, I see when I start to cry. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but but there that's the problem with you could be slight. You could go to our, we could come to your house and Dan could be slightly drunk, which is point zero eight, maybe point zero nine, just on the limit and right. be legally allowed to operate that vehicle. Well, that's not true either, because I think over point zero five, they can. They can uh, they can stop you and send you home in a cab or whatever. Really, there's a point zero. Yeah, there's a point zero five to point zero eight. You you you're not charged with impaired, but you're in a sort of a yellow zone. That's not good. <clears throat> I think I'd heard that. I didn't realize that's mm-hmm. what that was. Yeah, but the point of all of this is they need to have, and I'm not advocating you drive stoned. I'm just saying they've got to find a way so that if you have you know two puffs or two, you know, the equivalent of whatever that is would be, Dan, that you should be allowed to operate the vehicle. Similarly, if you've had two beers, a glass of scotch, a couple of glasses of wine, not all at once, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, adding it up. I'll tell you if I was. And if I knew I was driving, I would not drink hard liquor, which is silly, actually, because depending on what you drink of beer or wine, like it, it, yeah, the end, it end, end of the day, yeah. um, it doesn't matter. Right. It's still alcohol. So. All right. Uh, well, yeah. Dan, maybe you could search that thing for the uh, the news coming up, because uh, there's a point in every show. You just completely lose interest in anything we're saying. Yeah, it's about now. It's, it's about now. You start going. Okay, yeah, is this, am I, am I done? Yeah. Can I just get out so of here? So I'll go and uh, I'll go uh, find that clip <laughs> and uh, bring it to the show. Okay. I mean, if you if you want to, I mean, if you can, you know, come out of your stupor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can wake myself up. All right. So, well, yeah. listen. Thank you, Dan. And right. uh, yeah, get that audio from Texas. That's uh, pretty interesting. Paul Romanuk uh, will hopefully uh, arrive sober. Uh, when we speak to him in the next 15 minutes Going to talk a little bit of music about the Foo Fighters And their uh, worldwide release of the news of their new drummer But first, Freddie's got some news about this 
Ah, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Yes, it is. And if you have a small business, you can be part of this. Yes, you can. I'll go to chamberplan.ca today, get a free quote. It's all there, right? They ask you a bunch of questions. They get a profile of what you're all about. And then they give you some options. And uh, then it's all in your court. Do you want to provide this for your small business and your employees will love you? It's dental. It's prescriptions. It's travel insurance. There's therapies available. An HR department, Howard referenced HR earlier in the show. Well, yeah, they have it. They have it all. Very progressive, and uh, they've done a great job of keeping uh, premiums, a lid on premiums over the past uh, several years. It's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. We'd like to offer you the ultimate EV experience. Actually, coming soon to the show, we're going to do a little contest next month where we're going to get you into an electric vehicle for the weekend, courtesy of evnet.ca. I was hanging out with our buddy Daryl recently, Daryl Croft. He's going to come back on the show. He's a sharp guy. You know, he told me a couple things, Fred. Like here, You know that Ontario is the most... How do I put this? Not regressive. The, the, the least progressive province in Canada when it comes to EV rebates, the Ford government gives you nothing. Do you know what? Nothing. In Quebec, you get 12000 back. In Ontario, you get nothing. But here's what we... Here's, the, the Canadian government gives you a $5,000 rebate. But when we're talking about getting into an EV just to rent one because hey you don't know if it's going to fit your lifestyle but this is an ultimate way to sort of try it before you buy it especially if this is your first time you know choosing electric the evnet.ca experience is just that it gives you a chance to hang out in the car for a day for a weekend for a month and uh, I tell you, once you do this, I, I'm, it's going to make your decision even easier to do the right thing. 1-800-387-9391. Visit Electric Experiences at evnet.ca. <clears throat> so not only will you save about 5000 a year on uh, gas and oil if you actually got into an electric vehicle, but in most other provinces, like I say, Quebec, if you buy one, you get a $12,000 rebate. And you know, some of them, they're not, you don't have to get a Tesla. I mean, some of these, the entry level ones are in the, like the leaf is 35,000, 40,000. Imagine a family trying to make ends meet. You get $10,000 back on the car. It saves you 5,000 a year on petrol and oil products. And then that money goes back into the economy. Figure it out, Fred. No, it's fantastic. It really is fantastic. It's the way to go. It's the future. It's where we'll be at in a few years from now. Probably less than we think. But what is what is it about this uh, this province? Why you know why can't we just at least be where some of the other provinces are? We have nothing. They have no rebates in Ontario. I can't answer that. Well, talk to your buddy Dick Ford. Why can't you talk to him? I'm, uh, he doesn't take my calls. You anymore. don't want to be confrontational. <laughs> I, he doesn't take my calls anymore. Ever since I insulted his brother with "Stay Strong," uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. Um, was it, have you started watching the uh, Sunderland Till I Die? I've seen it. I saw it the first. Oh, I, you saw it all. I saw, saw it, no, it all. I saw it okay. a couple of years ago. I saw it before all of this Wrexham uh, hoo ha. Yeah, it really is something. Yeah. Um, 
and again, I've, I've, I've talked about, you know, appreciating the culture of soccer and everything. And again, I'm late to the to the game here, but I've just been fat. It was part of what happened, you know, with my hearing thing mm-hmm. last night. I'm down here. I got a little sound system set up and I like it loud when I'm when you have a system that delivers great sound. Yes, sir. And you're watching on like Netflix, even a show like that. The sound is neat. Mm-hmm. And um Elise apparently came downstairs last night. Was she had been out at her mother's and came and was saying hello to me, and I didn't hear a word of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where so this... that I so that I went upstairs. <laughs> that's great. I went upstairs and I said, "Oh, you're sneaking in on me, are you? Like just trying to be a friendly, you know, husband." And she said, "What?" She said, "I was down there, literally yelling at you, hello, and you ignored me." Oh, that's where all I, I this had, came from. I had, no, it's just part of it. Okay. Part of me worrying about my hearing. Right. So, but again, I was enjoying um, watching that particular show, and I liked it loud because, you know, the especially the fans, how irate they can become and are. And it's like nothing you see. You don't see that here. Like, I mean, you just don't. Now, it's been a while. Uh, when Darren, our buddy, uh, mutual pal Darren, uh, the guy who brought us uh, the ye, you know, the thing that the guy hates. The, the, the one guy that he just hates this. Yeah, so that guy, he he sent us both the same note. Hey, if you loved uh, Welcome to Wrexham, you're going to love Till Sunderland, Till I Die. Yes. And I, I can't remember if I wrote him back. I said, when it came out, I watched it. But it's been really? a few years now. I'm going to go back. Just remind me, it's about that town. It's similar, right? It, it's Sunderland, you know. I mean, they were a Premier League team at one point, and um, they just kept being relegated. Right. You know, when they have a big 50,000-seat stadium and people expect a certain level of performance and through bad ownership, bad management, bad player development, they just kept dropping. And it's just the anguish that it causes in in the town, Mm -hmm. the city of Sunderland, which isn't that small. And it's just, again, it's fascinating. I've just, you know, we think, you know, as Leaf fans and as whatever, baseball Jays fans or apply it to any you know, a city in North America. It's just, it's not like that. It's just weird, man. It's, uh, and when I say weird, there's a certain charm to it, but yes, people anyway. And what made me think of that was confrontation with Doug Ford. It was like the episode I watched last night, you know, the coach of the teams leaving the stadium after they're relegated and like a fan comes up and calls them over and it's like an instant confrontation. And I'm thinking, wow, imagine, (laughs) you know, if that happened with, with Sheldon Keefe or something. It's just the passion is just so crazy. But isn't it what, and it's kind of what you touched on, and I, f- I uh, feel as well, it's what makes the Wrexham documentary so charming Yeah, is that it's an insight into, like, you know, the, the Leaf slogan, the passion or whatever that unites mm-hmm. us all. It's not, it, that's a different level of it. Oh, you know, yeah. a, again, it reminded me a little bit more of the way the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is a community-owned entity. It's, and I've said this for years, football in Saskatchewan is not like going to an Argonaut game. No, I it, don't imagine it is. It has a sense of different sense to it. I mean, it's not, you know, no one's, although I, I imagine there, if you were at a coach in Saskatchewan, you have a better chance of being punched out. But, uh, I'm going to go back. Actually, there's a story this morning about, it, it, there's a, there's stories now constantly about mm-hmm. Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and again, I'm late to the game with this thing, so I don't know if a lot of people listening are going, been there, done that. But again, I'm in the middle of it now. And bottom line is, I just, I want to go feel it. 
I just I want to just go over there and feel it. And I know our buddy Darren yeah. has an Iver Iver who was on the show yesterday. And it's not even so much the game to me. Again, I keep using the word culture. I just want to want to be somewhere and feel that culture because it's it's just so to me so unique yeah absolutely and you know what why don't we just i'm gonna admit paul early here in a second just give me a couple minutes because he lived in england right and he'll and he did sports there he'll be able to talk about this but the story i was referring to is every day on my google feed because i've i've i guess i've chosen continually to or i continue to choose Stories about Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. So I'm right. getting, I'm now being fed those stories. And they're usually from the UK or some UK paper. The one this morning was talking about, so, you know, most people have heard that or understand that they've been gone from the, the bottom league to now the next level up. They're now in the National League, I think it's called, or something like that. Yeah. But their goal as owners, they've stated, is to get it to the Premier League, which would be like yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. And the guy, there's still three levels before you hit premium. Th- yeah, three more levels after where they are. And again, I want to get Paul in here in a second. That's because I want to understand this. But what the story caught my eye was it cost them, I don't know, a couple million to buy the team and a couple million to get them out of the bottom. And then it's going to cost them a few million more each year. But the jump from the league, the championship league to the premier league, that jump, according to this article, is 100 to 150 million dollars. Well, that's it. That's what's happened to Sunderland, right? They had an owner, an American owner, that just refused to write checks. And that was their demise because, you know, they have this open season where you can sign or trade or whatever. And uh, a lot of movement happens there. And Anyway, um, just to wrap this up before um, uh, Paul comes on, you know, that theme song of that show, Sunderland Till I Die, it's called Shipyards. I don't. It's called Poets. Shipyards. It's by the Lake Poets. What a! I just love that song, and I'm reading about it last night. And the guy from the Lake Poets, his dad, or his grandfather, he loved his grandfather. Grew up in Sunderland, and his grandfather was a shipbuilder. And it was a great story. Oh, this is a great. Story. I do remember this. I can see you there alone, but all yeah, I can see this on the uh, Freddie P. Uh, Campfire playlist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be there soon. All your life, you worked your face. And when I first heard that that number was going to be uh, north of a hundred million, I thought, well, I, at some point, mm-hmm. will Rob McElhaney. And Ryan Reynolds say, okay, that's enough money. And then I thought, no, the money they're making, the, the, the marketing dollars flowing in. Can you imagine the audience that series is going to have? Like every, every season is them potentially moving up. Howard, they have revenue streams that teams of that level just do not have. Oh, it's ridiculous. Mer- merchandising alone and, and off the series. I mean, they're touring the States this year. So, like, like if they came to play TFC, I'd probably go on. Absolutely, absolutely. Because right? and then it would be funny. You and I, most people who have seen the series, I would know more of the players on the Wrexham team, right, than I would on TFC. That's why I thought it was so fascinating. Because I thought, no, you know, it's not going to be coming out of those two guys' pockets. Mm-hmm. It's going to be coming out of the revenue that the the, the rights to all of this, including yeah. the series, because, you know, it's funny. I, I had a, written down, a, I wanted to talk about a couple of series that are ending, including Ted Lasso. 
and how I've sort of got this sort of heaviness about me that it's going away. And maybe I'll go back and start watching Sunderland again. But um, I can't wait for season two of Welcome to Wrexham, even though I know they've been promoted. I just want to see how all that behind-the-scenes stuff unfolded. And again, you know what's neat about Wrexham and Sunderland? It actually happened or is happening. So again, you can you can do your research, Google it, whatever you want, and you can and you can learn so much about it that's not even on the shows. Yeah, like last night, I'm reading the history of the Sunderland Club, and I've done that with Wrexham and all the attachment. And again, this song, I, I get into you know the guy, there his his grandfather was a huge. Sunderland fan and loved his grandpa and he wrote this song for him and it's like uh, just so much so you know you and I have this in common that Mm -hmm. we we love the stories of sports Uh, you always Mm -hmm. were I mean that's one of the reasons Mm -hmm. we relate is you know you were never really a big stats guy and and you were never into the minutia the boring shit of sports and why I enjoyed your Mm -hmm. comments and other people as well because Because the stories of sports really are what makes sports great. And people who aren't into sports miss that. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying anything about anybody, but a lot of people that don't get sports don't understand. It's it's about the stories. I mean, you listen to that story of Michael Block. the, the, The PGA Championship went on this weekend. And yeah... You know, Brooks Kepka won and all this stuff. And I could tell you all the stats, but the story of that championship will always be for years that that guy came out of nowhere, got a hole in one in the last round, and his life changed. Yeah. That's what sports does. That's why that Michael Jordan movie is so good. Michael Jordan's not even in that movie. Yeah. You know, um, I was listening to the fellas on Overdrive last night, and they had him on, Michael Block. Yeah, you mentioned that. You sent me a little note. Yeah, before he came on, I think it was Jeff O'Neill said, like, this is already there's enough there for a movie already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's what I said yesterday. Yep. We were talking about yesterday. It's like, yeah, like it's beginning, middle and end is pretty much there right now. Yeah, you have the payoff. And as I tried to give you some background on, you know, why it's such a unique championship, because it gives high level golfers who no longer play on the tour or never did, who chose right. another path. It gives them one shot at that glory. Hey, yeah. Paul, are you uh, you having trouble connecting there, buddy? Because he's been trying to see Paul Romanek is connecting to audio now for the last five minutes. And I don't know. Paulo. Paulie. Paulo. I mean, Paul. Can I call you Paulo? Mm-hmm. Sure. Call him Paulo. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. It's too bad because I could be on before. You know what he may have done, Howard? He's scheduled for 815. So he's just logged on and maybe he's grabbing a coffee or something and. He thinks he's early. That's okay. All. I mean, that's the, you know, that's the, the. That's probably the likeliest story because he knows what he's. Yeah. He's actually guest. He he's guest friend. He knows what he's doing. So uh, yeah, the story. That's that's why Wrexham and Sunderland and, and these documentaries are so compelling because because it's not about. It's not about the game so much. It's about what the game means to the people who support the game. And, and it's interesting. Okay. It's, it, it, I find it fascinating. Yeah. When you say you're a little late, like I got a little bit mm-hmm. into soccer because of my kids, because of, I watched a lot yeah. of it. I did, mm-hmm. I did almost 10 summers of it being a big part of our family. But that's, so that made me, I will say that was sort of step one. I appreciated 
the sport mm-hmm. in a way I never did, even though we played it at school for fun and threw a, you know, kicked a ball around. But I never appreciated the beauty of the game until I had some investment. One of my kids or two playing. But see, I'm not even there yet. I don't even know if I'm. As I say, what's attracted me is not so much the game, because you don't see a lot of the game on these shows, really. What you what you get is the reaction to the results of those games. Well, I, but and, I, I, yeah. I, well, I'm, yeah, I, mean, I know what you're yeah. saying. They, they don't, yeah. the, 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 the physical play, but you mm-hmm. certainly get to appreciate what it means. Oh, here he is. You get to appreciate yeah, what it means uh, to the people who support it, as I say. And I think you get an appreciation for how exciting, because we used to joke on the show all the time, well, I'm fucking nil-nil, how good thing that can be? Well, it can be exciting because it means so much. Every game has some right. attachment to it. Um, I've been, uh, we've been talking, you won't believe, uh, Roman, but we've been talking soccer for the last uh, 15 I, minutes. I heard, I, I can't believe that. I, well, I just, listen, I just the end of it. Just get on board because that's what we're uh, doing now. I'm in. I'm in. I love soccer. Well, and, and I referenced you a few minutes ago because I, I actually added you a while because I, I wanted to get your take on this. We're going to introduce you formally. This is just a pre-show. Um, <laughs> you lived in uh, London for many years and a guy you've covered sports all over the world. And uh, I know it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, we started like the welcome to Wrexham, Sunderland till I die. It's given us North Americans a look and a glimpse inside the culture of it. But you were actually there, there and experienced it. Did you go to footy games? I did indeed. Yes, I love uh, love football. Uh, got in. I, I liked the sport before I went. I had uh, I had covered it a little bit for TSN. I was a reporter at the, the 1998 World Cup in Paris. Uh, France won that year, just to refresh your memory. So okay, was yeah. Was that so, the year France won? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was indeed the year, uh, the very astute of you. Uh, well, that's right, because I'm pretty sure it was one of those. You know, it was a big French year. As a matter of fact, you guys probably don't remember because it's, uh, you know, uh, I. It, it, why would you? But uh, I was a special guest correspondent for Humble and Fred from France, 98, on the old uh, telephone uh, with you guys. Uh, I do remember in, uh, that. Back in I the do, day, yes. I, we, we, I remember you were part of our coverage of that uh, event. What was the spin? Because we obviously didn't care about the soccer. <laughs> no, it, it used to, I, I was sort of the cultural reporter, so I was letting okay. you know what else was going on around the, uh, you know, around the streets of Paris and uh, right. uh, and all. But it was, uh, yes. So anyway, uh, I was familiar with the sport and familiar with it. And when I lived there, I went to uh, many matches. Uh, but the probably the, the club I supported the most because it was fairly close to where I lived uh, was Fulham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, lovely, uh, lovely grounds right on the banks of the Thames. Uh, and you, you know, head over on match day, a couple of pints along the many pubs that are along the river over in that part of London. Go to the match. It was great. It, mm-hmm. it was, it, but the thing I always said when people ask about this in North America, fans fall in love with their team in Europe and in the UK. Uh, for this example, you marry your team mm-hmm. you yeah. are married to that team for life it is and if you're 
Dad was a Spurs supporter. You are a Spurs supporter. And likely your grandfather was a Spurs supporter. It's much more culturally ingrained. I mean, here, let's face it. When you're a kid, what's your favorite team? Well, it's you know, the team that has the biggest superstar or the team that's winning mm-hmm. the most is usually your um, no, favorite I, I, No, what I would take, no, I, I would disagree to a point. In, in, in a lot of cities, it's like that. But the city that I've lived in here now half my life, it, it's a little bit like the Leafs that way. If your father is a Leaf fan, you're likely to be a Leaf fan. And I think Leaf fans would be the closest in terms of like marrying their team, though at least for as far as I've seen. Maybe nothing like. Listen, have you watched any of that? Welcome to Wrexham. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Like, like yeah. it's fascinating. We've been like we've been fascinated by. It. We were now we were. He's been watching uh, Sunderland till I die. I've seen it. It, it. it is a different level. You're marrying them. It's it's it's. But it's also the community um, falls in love with them. Yeah, yeah, it but, is. But, and you're right. The Leafs are a good analogy. I mean, I, I suppose that that might be the closest that I would be familiar with here, or maybe Yankees fans in New York City. I don't know, but yeah. But having said that, Paul, I have noticed that again. Maybe if the father or grandfather doesn't have that deep a, 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 of an attachment to the Maple Leafs, a lot of kids again for marketing availability on TV become fans of of um, superstars on other teams or. Yeah. gravitate to other teams i in fact i'm often surprised when you see little kids 10 12 years old i, I love the penguins it's like right. really but you What's can the never matter with you you can never imagine somebody a kid growing up in wrexham no supporting another uh, another team because he liked the player on that team mm-hmm. well and and to the extent too, uh howard and uh, and fred i mean it's it's to the extent that uh, Rexham's a great example because it, it's not even like, okay, well, um, yeah, I live in a Wrexham, but Wrexham's a shitty team. They're in the lowest division it can be in. So I support Chelsea or right. I support Spurs or I support uh, City. What? No. You see, if your team is in the third or fourth division, whatever it is, that's the team that you support because that's the community team and you, you grew up with it. Unlike, and, and it's, it's completely different there. Many of the teams are still there's still some degree of community ownership and it's it's a bit of a community trust um, in so they're not franchises they're called clubs right in in Europe here we call them franchises because it's like a McDonald's franchise if the guy who owns Arizona wakes up tomorrow morning and goes I'm going to move my franchise to Quebec City, mm-hmm. uh, then he can move it. Just like if I own a McDonald's franchise, I can say, you know what? It's at mm-hmm. Victoria Park in Lawrence. I'm going to move it somewhere else. You can't do that with a club. No. And, you know, uh, last night, the uh, the most recent episode I saw, they had been relegated again. And it was it showed the box office and people coming and renewing their season tickets for the next year, even though they had been relegated. And that was the prevailing attitude it's my team i support them no matter what league they're in can you imagine if the maple leafs were relegated to the american hockey league that would be the only way i think fans would stop going to leaf games i don't i doubt i doubt that they would stop going yeah but i I wonder but i was gonna say paulie yeah we've had this discussion the fred man and i i like that the fact that you can be demoted is one of the most fascinating things about that sport. And yep. and again, I'm going to make it the, the link, link to golf because, you know, that's what <laughs> I do. But I love the fact that you have to p- play well 
You have to perform to have success. If you don't perform in golf, you don't make the cut. One of the reasons I don't like the Live League is because there's no cut in it. There's no impetus to try on Fridays to keep going for the weekend. This idea of being relegated and, and, and fans still supporting it is a massive part of it. Yep. yep. And, you know, there are so many teams in so many little communities that, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah, they mean something to the commerce of Toronto with bars and restaurants around the area. But, you know, I mean, if the Leafs went away, the city would go on. A lot of these little communities, their whole economic base hinges around the soccer team. So if the ho- soccer team's not doing well, apparently the first thing that suffers is the pubs and stuff. People <laughs> yeah, are no not kidding. in a good mood, really, so they just go home or... They get drunk beyond reason, and it's something else, all of it. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is a fascinating mm-hmm. cultural window onto, onto the U.K., and it was – I mean, I got into it – I liked the sport beforehand, but one of the reasons I got into it was very pragmatic is all my, all my pals – when you're down at the pub, that's that's what they're talking about. They're talking right. about the football or, you know, maybe the rugby six nations, if that's on or, or county cricket or whatever, if that's going. They're not talking about <laughs> baseball, basketball. Yeah, exactly. Never, never mind NHL. <laughs> but know? from a pragmatic mm-hmm. level, as what I thought you were going to say is pragmatically, uh, you also were looking for a gig. You were there for a long time. What did you first of all, give me some. What is it like as a guy who's one of the best play by play hockey guys and a great basketball call as well? What, what's it like calling uh, football? Well, it's it's and I didn't call football over there. Uh, first of all, that that would never happen. It, it would be as a matter of fact, I think there would be a better chance of a British guy calling hockey here than there would have uh, somebody with a North American accent going over mm-hmm. there and calling football just the way it is. Hmm. Uh, so so that mm-hmm. didn't happen. I called it for TSN a few times when I worked there, and it's just a different call. I mean, if, I think we've talked about this before, but in terms of play-by-play, and I've done most sports at least a couple of times, uh, hockey is by far the hardest to call, without question, uh, because it's really fast and they change on the fly. Uh, and it's the only sport I can think of where that happens. Where the players Basketball, come in and off, yeah. Well, yeah, basketball, when they make change, first of all, it's not as fast uh, because they're running, not skating. Uh, and uh, second of all, when they're going to make a change, you wait till a break and you see the guy who's coming in to sub in for the other guy. So it's quite easy to follow. Likewise with soccer, uh, you know, baseball, of course, they don't change on the fly. Um, so, you know, but to answer your question, Football is one of those sports that's that's great to call because it moves along at a pace that you have time to point things out and time to tell a little bit of a story. Whereas I found that not the problem, but one of the issues with hockey near the end of my run was it's so fast. Uh, there is no time to, it's just, you know, Leafs come up out of their own zone. Riley chips it up ahead. Marner coming up through the neutral zone. He's got Matthews over on the right-hand side, chips it up towards the corner back. And that's the pace that you're going at. Uh, so well, there's you, no, you just gave me a boner mm. <laughs> and that's, and that's saying something. <laughs> well, speaking hey, for all of us, <laughs> hey, can I, can I, I'm going to just ask a stupid question and I don't care if you mock me, but I was curious. I watched a lot of the Leafs playoff. Yeah, I put my through myself through all eleven games, and uh, the, who's the guy that does color, Freddie, with uh, Chris Cuthbert? Oh, Craig Simpson. So I know that everyone's got a, a, a thing in their ear from the production that's telling them what's coming up next, and we're going to a break and, and whatever. 
So a play happens in hockey. To your point, what made me think of it is how fast everything is going. There's a play on the net. Uh, somebody narrowly misses a shot. It, they, it, it gets tipped wide, and it was a scoring opportunity. Immediately, there's a replay. Now, Craig Simpson, is he told, hey, we're going to replay that from this? Because all, all of a sudden now he's breaking down. And again, this is I know it sounds stupid, but he's breaking that down immediately. I was really impressed by that, that that, you know, I've seen it for years, obviously, but it's, it's pretty cool that he can do that. But are, so the point I'm trying the question I'm getting to is, do they say, Craig, OK, we're going to that's coming up. I mean, that's the obvious one. But what, what about when it's not obvious? Craig, we're going to go to the offside or Craig, we're going to do this. Is somebody telling him that? Yeah, yeah, the producer would tell you that. Uh, certainly, the, there's a rhythm to those to a game. So, to use your example, uh, you know, Marner chips it up ahead to Matthews. Matthews firing one just wide of the top hand corner, right? So, if it was a close, the, the producer might jump in and go, "Next whistle, we'll get a look at that." Next whistle, so the color guy starts to think, you know, okay, so what happened there? Uh, there are guys in the back. There's sometimes an ISO director. They may take a quick look at it, and the producer may jump in while the play is still going and go, you can see it hit the defenseman's stick. Hit the defenseman's stick as soon as he let it go. So then when the replay, and the puck goes up over the glass, and while well, the face-off down to the right of uh, whoever it's going to be to the right of. And then uh, your color commentator, Craig, in this case, might go, well, you know that last chance, it was, uh, it was uh, I wasn't sure whether or not it hit somebody stick and then roll the replay and let's take a look at johnson the defense yep just caught his stick so there's lots of that going on okay and and, you know that you know and that's what makes a good color commentator and maybe a not so good one you know the look at baseball this year uh, the jays parted ways with pat tabler i could see it because i used to call him captain obvious you know what i mean he'd be put in those situations like well you're not really enlightening enlightening me and i found that too with uh, uh greg millen too it was like ah he he's, he's not really giving me anything mm-hmm. where some color commentators as you say howard craig simpson they just have that knack for being able to get that interview or get that replay and enlighten you with something. And again, I didn't. I thought for sure this is obvious. This is how it's done. But I was kind of curious. I wanted to hear your thoughts about because I, I just think it's fascinating to me how fast they come up with those. And as you say, there's an ISO guy. There's a guy watching it who's clipping those, telling the producer. He's telling Craig Simpson. But they do a pretty good job of that. They make it sound pretty good. They're the best. The guys at the guys at Hockey Night in Canada. Certainly in my. Uh, there are some great producers I worked with at TSN, uh, but the best, you know, maybe there were even some better producers that I worked with at TSN or as good as, but the overall crew mm-hmm. for Hockey Night in Canada is the best, the best I ever worked right. with. For I'm, having an, I'm having an old guy moment right now. I worked with him at CKFH in the late 70s. The guy that just retired was the producer of uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Mark, Mark Askin. Mark Askin. Yeah. We should get him on the show, Howard, because I, I did actually work with him at CKFH years ago. He'd and be I, fa- great, great producer, Fred, one of the best yeah. I ever worked with, and he'd uh-huh. be a fascinating guy. Yeah, yeah, he really would be. And plus, when you talk about the speed of the game, you're, you're talking television, because if you're a hockey guy on the radio, you can bullshit along the way, right? Because who's to know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a saying amongst the now, there's never a bad game in the radio. It yeah, should right. never be a bad game on the yeah. radio. It should always sound compelling. It's funny because yeah. I, I like hockey on the radio, but I love baseball on the radio. Yeah. That, I yeah. mean, and I won't watch many games during the season. And uh, 
But I, there's, a, there's something about the, the rhythm, and, and Dan Shulman is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, you know, but, it, but to my point, Howard, right? A, a game like baseball or even soccer, you have time to, right? Like, it's, it's the old bit. I'm sure you've heard many guys do it in stand up with the old, well, here comes the first pitch. That's down in the dirt, ball one. You know, we all went out and got a haircut today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was thinking a bit short off the side. Oh, that's foul back and uh, strike one and won the count. So anyway, we went into Gino's barbershop and, uh, well, Gino's always good. He's got some uh, croissanti there for us to nibble on. Oh, that's down low, ball two. Like, that's, you got time to. You get a long hockey. time to draw right. those stories yeah. out. That's well, great. Hockey is, hockey is just bang, 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 bang. And then when you throw in, especially now uh, in this day and age, the sponsored shit that's in there that yeah. you have to get in. So it, you just that every boneheaded executive producer I work for uh, would, uh, you know, one of whom with the initials SM was always, well, you know, you got to tell the stories, dude. There's no time to tell the stories. We got to mm-hmm. do business and we got to call the game. Like it's, I'm it's, sorry, you're talking so about somebody fast. whose name rhymes with Boer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, m- might be. Okay, might be. Well, remember, remember, Vin Scully did it all on his own. Oh and yeah, the stories that he would have to tell. I mean, the research he would do before a game. One, uh, one thing I'd like to say here because I've, I've wanted to bring it up. For a while, bring up the shame, the shame on Rogers. Rogers, a communications company that owns the Toronto Blue Jays, they own the club, and their radio guy doesn't do road games. No, he I does heard. it from a studio. It's like, how embarrassing is that? You just think because they're a communications company, they would send that guy on the road. And really, for the how much could it cost to send one dude on the road for eighty-two games or whatever it is? Or you know. What is and it, 80 then, games? 81 games. Yeah, and then I found out that Bowen and Ralph were calling road games from a studio as well. Like, Joe Bowen, you need him on site, man. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. It's sad. Just a sad thing. Like, and Paulie's like, yeah, yeah, I'll... Mm. This is a subject, a well-worn subject with the Romanoc. Uh, I, I, you know, it's too easy, so I, I won't bother. <laughs> before, we leave, before we leave play-by-play play and officially introduce Paul, um, Paul's not even officially on the show yet. You know, when I think about, because I, you know, I think, okay, a great color guy in football is Romo. And uh, the greatest uh, color guy for me in golf was Johnny Miller. But, but, but golf color guys tend to be, the good ones tend to be pretty critical or honestly critical. They can be authentic. But one of the things that golfers enjoy about golf broadcasts is also when, when ex-players can show you something a player is doing that can apply to your own game. That's very unique about golf. I mean, you can say something on the ice like, oh, see how Marner did that? Yeah, okay. A handful of guys can go out right. and try and replicate that in their beer league. But every golfer watching a golf broadcast, when Johnny Miller used to say, you know, if you want to play this particular chip shot that Nick Faldo just played, this is how you play it and go, oh, I could try that piece of advice uh-huh. when I go out the next time. That's what, yeah. you know, pretty unique thing about the sport. Yeah, next yep. time I play beer league hockey, I'm going to shoot the puck just like Austin. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. What I'm gonna... Hey, Paul, I'm let gonna... me ask you this. I don't know if it's fair, but talking about color commentators, who is the best one you ever worked with? And then I'll tell you my favorite of all. Uh, I, I won't say a best because I worked with a bunch who were, right. who were you know, one and one A and one B. But the, the, the guys... Um, 
Mike Johnson, I think, is exceptional. Yeah, smart uh, kid. I, smart yeah, kid. Yeah, I worked Garber with him uh, the first couple of years at Hockey Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Green was really good. I worked with him for many years at TSN. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Johnson, I, I, I think right now Mike Johnson is the best guy doing it. And who's yeah. your favorite, Freddie? It was Harry Neal because he was informative and funny. Mm. Yeah. I used to make me laugh during yeah. some yeah, some, he, uh, he was good. Some games, yeah. Old Harry living in Buffalo. He's got to be close to 90 now. Poor old bugger. Well, listen, without... I bet, you, I bet you he can hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bet you his wife's not yelling him. Uh, listen, let's uh, now officially welcome to our program. Even though it's almost time to, you know, kick him out of here. Uh, please welcome the host of the... Well, the award-winning. Have you won awards for this yet? You should. I did. I won an award. You did win yeah, an award. Did. Oh, that's right. It's funny, we, uh, we've been doing this for 12 years, we got nothing. Well, you know what they do, they look at our guest list and they think, let's let's give an award to every Hubble and Fred gift, a guest, but not them. You know, just a <laughs> We had Larry Fedorik on a couple weeks, you know, ago, and he's won awards. Yeah. Uh, please welcome the host of The Walrus Was Paul, not only a, a fine sports broadcaster and play-by-play, there's the, uh, there's his logo and... And podcast is available everywhere. You know? uh, I don't know if we have time to get into this, but uh, May 23rd, 1970, on this uh, fun fact, that's yesterday's date, the Beatles released their final single in Canada, The Long and Winding Road. Uh, the last single from the biggest band of all time. And, and Paul, what, where are we at now with uh, your, your podcast, which is very well produced and hosted? Well, thank you, sir. Uh, we're we're in uh, series three, uh, available wherever fine podcast fine podcasts are available, and we talk to Canadian musicians or music people about mm-hmm. their favorite Beatles or Beatles solo album, as well as their own work. But uh, it, it primarily focused around the Beatles. Uh, the most recent episode we have out. Uh, I have, actually I had a, so a couple of cool ones. Uh, I had a guy named Andrew Barashko who was on, who is the artistic director of uh, the uh, a group who it, it, they're based in classical music. And they did an adaptation of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band a few years back. So he talked about adapting that album for classical music hmm, which was interesting really really hmm. good and he he had like singers from the sky diggers on and he had uh, you know craig northy from odds um you know a lot of guys who you used to play back mm-hmm. in the uh, the radio music days and when you say series three so you will do how many in a series uh However many I feel like doing. Okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> see, earlier in the show, we're talking. Meanwhile, we're just pumping these things out three and four a week. This is one of the reasons we're not nominated. There's just too many episodes. Uh, well, well, but you're consistent. You're uh, you're consistent. Canada's most uploaded podcast for sure. Oh yeah, by uh, far. And uh, you know, I'm I'm inconsistent, but I don't have I don't have sponsors like you do. So I I just sort of do it when. Uh, I, I try to get out a, an episode every two weeks is what I try for. Well, that's good. Um, on your show notes here, uh, John Lennon, 1970 live album, live piece in Toronto. Right. Interesting stories about that. I actually remember that as a kid. But I remember in 1969 at the time, you know, John Lennon was sort of in that weirdo. Everybody thought he was a bit of a weirdo at the time. So I remember when he came and it was at Varsity Stadium. Yeah. 
that concert, and I know some people that actually actually snuck in. Buddy Doug's brother snuck into that show, mm. but um, it was a obviously a big moment at the time because of um, who he was and what he was what he was going through at the time. It's kind of a mediocre album, uh, yeah. and I talk about it with uh, Tim Bovacanti, who's a very well-known session guy. He plays in the Burton Cummings Band. He's played with Randy Bachman, played with Ron Sexsmith, uh, Kim Stockwood, and so on, uh, has toured around the world. But the, the music is kind of eh, but it, the story behind the record is fascinating because this was – the Beatles had finished Abbey Road. They'd had a meeting – during which they discussed putting out a single for Christmas and maybe doing an album, but having the ability to go off and do solo projects. This was just days before Lennon came over to do this uh, concert in Toronto. Uh, and sometime between the meeting and coming back from that concert, he decided he was done with the Beatles. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he famously told this to Alan Klein, who was their manager at the time on the flight, I believe going back to London. He said, that's it. I'm done. Uh, so just the context of that makes it a really interesting story and how we got there and so on. Isn't it interesting? Again, hang on. <laughs> we have it's the most overused word in our show. It's interesting. It's very interesting how often we is interesting. Interesting. The context of of those things and those events through the you know the the time the prism if you will of history. You know, there's something that Freddie and I've talked about. Remember, famously, Al Cap came to visit John and Yoko in Montreal at the Bed Inn for Love and Peace or whatever, and they were just it was like the mainstream media treating them as you said, Freddie, kind of like weirdos. You know, and, and Al Cap mocking them. Mm -hmm. You know, Asshole. the context. Yeah, but the context now, you know, look what history has done to look, look at the, the way history views John Lennon versus some guy that made cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, I often think of that. I've, I've said before, like his kids or grandkids, I hope they probably never want to see that that clip of him in the motel in the uh, Montreal uh, hotel room because it's just embarrassing. Yeah. Especially when he insults um, uh, Yoko, like my God! But but at the time, that would have been considered okay <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. You know the fact that the fact that it was a Beatle was one thing, but the fact that it was an interracial relationship and mm -hmm. and and again, yeah. it's all about context. Uh, Polly, that was a great appearance, and we don't don't really have time because we have a, one of our sponsors is coming up in a moment. But oh, okay. Uh, um, just give me, let's do a couple minutes back and forth about the live tour, because I think the live tour, I have a problem with it for a, a bunch of reasons, because it's to me, it's not the same game as the PGA tour. I believe that structurally it's wrong. And then, of course, there's the Saudi Arabian part. But there's also the hypocrisy of the pushback from the PGA Tour players, who are also a lot of sponsors being supported and doing business with Saudi Arabia. So there's a lot going on in there. What about you? What are your thoughts, young man? Uh, I think it's um, it, uh, along the same lines as you. I mean, I think the golf is cartoony. I think it's a joke uh, when you compare it to a tournament because you're not trying to make a cut. And, you know, I can't even. What are the stupid team names? Hey, you know, let's get all psyched <laughs> up for yeah. the, uh, the Greenhorns against the Rams. The Goat Humpers. Yeah. This, yeah. The names whatever. are ridiculous. Yeah, so there's that. <clears throat> Just and they're not playing on on uh, courses of the same caliber as most of the PGA tour does. 
Uh, and then probably the biggest objection I have to it is, uh, and yes, and I, I, I recognize your point about, uh, yes, there are guys on the regular tour and there are athletes and sports organizations all over the world who, uh, who help the Saudis sport wash. But I don't think it is as overt as it is with the lib. The direct, it's the most direct connection, for sure. Yeah, and, and I think it's disgusting. You know, this is a regime that uh, treats women as second-class citizens at best or uh, as property at worst. They torture and behead people. Uh, they had a journalist murdered and uh, cut up with a bone saw. Uh, these are all facts, yeah. not just allegations. And I think it's disgusting that you would be uh, somebody who has more money than he will ever need uh, and likely more money than his grandchildren and great-grandchildren will ever need, and yet you sell your soul and mm-hmm. go and take uh, the money to play on that tour. I don't if, – if it's one thing if you're destitute. I, I get it. Uh, yeah, we've but all got to make a dollar. Yeah. Uh, but when you're, when you're Brooks Kapka sitting in your McMansion on, uh, on the canal in Tampa or wherever it is, and you're, you're giving me the, well, you know, i gotta, I got to look after my family. Yeah, I know. Screw you. Screw that, you. That, that, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you on a lot of those points. Again, there's about 20 – I've heard 20 to 25 sponsors – uh, big PGA Tour events that are also so they do business and are supported by the Saudis, but this is not as direct a, a line from the Saudis. There's a fund, Fred. I can't remember it, Paul, but it supports it's it's a fund directly to sports wash their image, and they put a couple billion. And as a, as a fan of the sport, though, I don't think the sport is the same. It's not like when somebody said, "Well, it's like the WHA." I said, "No, it would be like the WHA if they came in and only played two periods." It's not the same game. On uh, that point, I heard this spin yesterday. What do you think of it? That the guys on the live tour are at an advantage for the majors because they can devote more time to preparing themselves for those big tournaments. Like they were talking about Kepka over the weekend, like his lead up to the PGA, like what his schedule is. Is just different than a PGA player for, and again, I don't know the intricacies. Yeah, I, of that, I, I will tell you, it's, a, it's not true. Yeah. It's a false equivalency because okay, the, because the the top players on the PGA tour only have to play fifteen times a year as commitments, with majors probably twenty. Mm-hmm. I would say the opposite is true because what they're not getting is hard competition against the other best players in the world. The problem with Liv is they've got four of the best players that the PGA Tour misses. Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, and uh, there's another guy I can't remember. Those are three of the best players. And that's the, the problem with it is this world rankings. I don't want to get into details, but it's a real... It's a drag. And the thing is now with the Ryder Cup being run by the PGA, not the PGA Tour, Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson will probably be on that team and they'll be welcomed by the players. Anyway, it's a bit of a... And we should get you on uh, Swing Thoughts. We should have this discussion when we're talking golf. It's a, it's a great it's a great discussion, but uh, yeah, bottom line is uh, and and I think you know I was as disgusted at the uh, at the the World Cup being awarded to Qatar for the same reasons because yeah. they are using sports to wash sport washing to you know to to yeah. purify their image I guess and you know part of uh, the fun part of sports is the discussions that you know different sports different situations different discussions that arise can be fun but this is all about morality and it's yeah. a whole different it's a whole different ball game and, but but uh, the morality argument comes up 
about around this, yeah. Freddie, all the time. And everyone, yeah. everyone, and, so and everyone says what I say. Oh yeah, but the PGA Tour and the American government do business. But as Paul says, the counter argument: mm-hmm. this tour is directly funded by the guy MBS that had Kashagi. You know, cut up into right. uh, cut up for parts. Paulie, we got to go. Paul Romanuk is uh, making uh, great music and uh, talking about it. <laughs> On the Walrus was Paul. Wherever you get podcasts, and um, we really should get Romanuk and Fedoric to consult with us. Like, guys, if you if you just do this, maybe if you stop talking about shitting yourself so much, you would also get nominated. God damn it. Polly, good talking to you. I hope we get a chance to play a little golf this summer. We keep threatening to, but uh, what are you doing on Friday? I got a, I got an open day Friday. Maybe we'll play some golf. Uh, love to. Love to get out sometime. Okay, so, It's always great seeing you guys. I really Thanks, enjoy Paulie. it. Okay, uh, there's, buddy. there's Paul Romanuk. He's a true professional and a, and a, uh, a great addition to this country. Mm-hmm. Howard, uh, quickly, another note he had. Chaz Newby died yesterday at 81. He was briefly the Beatles' bassist. Wow. So close. Now, you talk about a fortune lost. And attached to that is another story I saw today. On June 28th, there's a $70 million Lotto Max ticket that's going to expire. Somebody bought it in Scarborough. Can you imagine that? Somebody has $70 million stuffed in a drawer or they've lost it or where, okay. wherever it might be 70 million dollars so it's there's a somebody has a ticket yeah on june 28th that ticket expires yes it's worthless on june 29th you find out that you had that ticket oh. and then you buy a gun and you end it mm-hmm. if you have enough money for a gun <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I I don't know that I could uh, I don't think I could meditate that behind me. No. <laughs> Fuck. I don't think I could put that uh, on the back burner. But I'm sitting there this morning thinking where is that ticket? Like it's just sitting somewhere. Well, the th- you know what I hope? Here's what I'm going to I'm going to pray to baby Jesus that the people who own that ticket Never find out that it's been yeah. that it's in a gutter somewhere. It's been swept away. Oh no, it's underneath the uh, floor mat of their car. They sell the car without ever knowing it. You know they've tried, and um, OLG actually went to the store and asked for um, surveillance video, and the store didn't have any because mm. they thought if they get the time and get the description right. and see what the person looked, they tried. They tried. How long has this uh, ticket been uh, mysterious? I think they're only good for a year, right? God damn it. I think. I'm uh, not sure. Freddie, we yeah. got the uh, retirement Sherpa standing by, but I was wondering if uh, maybe just for a second, maybe it'd be kind of cool if you could tell us a little bit about uh, something else. Yeah, let's talk about uh, tonight, uh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, what's his, what's Kepka's first name again? Brooks Kepka, oh, huge Brooks. Panthers fan. Yeah, he was in Toronto yeah. for the series, apparently. And he I said, didn't see He apparently said that the people were super nice to him. Yeah. Anyway, tonight, the uh, Panthers, it's pretty much a toss-up for Game 4. The Panthers can sweep. Minus 115 on the Panthers. Minus 105 on the Canes. So, yeah, more or less a toss-up. The Panthers win, and they go to the Stanley Cup Final, probably against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, that storied franchise. (laughs) Anyway. 
Uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they have been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since the year 1994. Archidec Outdoor Living has been uh, building projects, 150,000 of them since 1980. They're the oldest outdoor living builder in North America. Our new clients, the Keats, Stacy and Craig, own one here in Toronto. And what does that mean for you? They're a general contractor that specializes in outdoor projects only. Has structures like porches, patios, outdoor kitchens, pool houses, hardscapes, and decks. They build a lot of decks, man. They design and build beautiful outdoor living spaces for homeowners, and they're very good at it. Is it too late to get yours for this year? No, friend. It is not too late. When is the right time to call? Now is the right time. 647-775-9222. Humble and Fred people. If you've even had a notion about this. I don't know, maybe you're looking for some information. Show our sponsors some love and give them a shout. Obviously, if you're trying to build one, the earlier the better. Like I said, they do a lot of backyards and they see trends and designs in construction. What they offer is free consultations. They're always there to help clients understand the options and possibilities. Make a phone call today. 647-775-9222. Tell them a little bit about what you're looking for. Maybe it's not today. Maybe you're going to do it later in the summer. Generally, the bigger the project, of course, you know, the more time you need. There's a lot of things that go into this. Architect.com is how you can find out to make how you can make your backyard dreams come true. Find out more at Architect.com. Okie dokie. Let me uh, switch gears here so we can get the retirement Sherpa. I question why a ticket would ever have an expiry date on it, but I wanted to say that. Why why should it expire? I don't know. Why should it expire? Maybe to free up that money because it's going to be put into the next open drawer or something. That's kind of bullshit, isn't it? No, I get it. You know, because they have, they have laws in Canada now where gift cards can't expire. So, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a correlation there, but you know, it's it seems like a bit you unfair. Purchased it. You purchased it, but it <laughs> seems yeah, it seems unfair that they go well after a year. Mm-hmm. Man, that would be I, I I don't know what I would do, but I know what this guy would do. If you gave this guy it was seventy million dollars. Mm-hmm. See, if you won the lottery. If you win the lottery, the first call should be to the Sherpa. Remember that story I had a couple weeks ago about the British garbage man that won like $15 million in the lottery and then 10 years later was back to picking up garbage? Not if you'd had the Sherpa. Because the Sherpa would turn your lottery win into uh, crazy legacy money. Uh, please welcome our uh, our guy, Tim Dodd-Niblet at Raymond James. Here he is. Look at him. He even looks like he can... T- he look like a money magician. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank hey, you buddy. for that. Um, I'm just going to go hang around the lottery corp, I guess, in case that person shows up. What do you think? I don't yeah. know, man. But, but seriously, at $70 million, obviously, people invest for retirement to make sure they have enough money to get through, you know, the last couple of decades of their life. Yeah. Like, what advice would you give to somebody with 70? Do they even need advice? It's just like... 
you'd have trouble spending that money. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, taxation would be a bit of a challenge. You would have to, there, there's no tax on the winnings, but right. on the income that it creates, you would want to make sure you don't create too much of a a tax drag. Obviously, uh, you might want to get some trust going, help some family out, create a foundation. Uh, you could certainly make the world a better, your little mm-hmm. world a better place with that much. There's no doubt about it. Can you, yeah. uh, I don't know how, can you gift somebody lottery, not interest, but lottery money tax free? If I, if I, if Fred won, if I won 70 million, I give Fred and his family a million dollars. Is that, do they, does it come to them tax free? Right, because you, you've gotten it after tax. So at that point in time, you could give however much you want with with no taxation involved at all. Uh, if you waited X number of years and it had gone up in value and you gifted some money then, you would have to pay tax on the gains that it made along the way uh, if it wasn't an interest-bearing one. So, hey, there's always ways to make the rules work for you. Okay, right? one last fantasy question. So if 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 I gift one of the kids or you even a million dollars and you put it away, is that interest and what you make on that money taxable? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, from from that point in time forward, uh, it will attract tax depending on how it's invested. Okay. Because as Tim said, even you get that seventy million the minute you start investing it, all the money it makes is taxable. okay. 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 That makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, listen, Timmy, uh, we were talking about, I was thinking about you earlier in the show because you were talking about how people get attached to teams, Sunderland and Wrexham. And I thought, well, no, no, there's a, there's a culture in the States where, you know, when you're, I, I would say if you're born a Gators fan, you want your grandson to be a Gators fan, etc. You know, there's nothing like it. It's just such a slice of life down there, right? And, and of course, we love our hockey and, and other sports as well, but most identifiably hockey. But, yeah, it, it, it runs generations deep, so that's a common thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's much more of an event, the games, you know, with all the tailgating. I, I mean, I've been there at like 8 in the morning for 8 p.m., games mm-hmm. and they're That's already commitment. set up with their keg and their tv <laughs> right. outside playing highlights and their their ring toss game and the the smoker going and this is 12 hours before the darn uh, football mm-hmm. ever gets kicked off yeah yeah but i've experienced that in michigan at uh at the big house the tailgating and it's amazing people actually making turkey dinners on site like that's crazy man yeah it's wild um let's talk about what tim uh specializes in which is sherping people through the you know the vagaries of the retirement um world uh and one of the questions you wanted to pose is should your portfolio change as you age and there's a great place to start this discussion Right. So qu- quite often, uh, appointments with clients, of course, are people who are retired, uh, already, some from forties, fifties and, and on and on. But, but even if you, we look at our classic person, maybe retiring in the sixties somewhere, th- they're going to hopefully have 20, if not 30 more years to enjoy and spend the money. Uh, the tricky part is we never know how, how long we'll kind of have, we'll be aging with energy, uh, mm-hmm. insert plug here to be able to uh, enjoy it. And uh, so, you, you know, you got to take that into account, but you can't tuck it under a mattress when you're 62, because if it doesn't grow after that, you're probably pooched. So you're actually arguably being riskier 
by taking away your day-to-day volatility of your portfolio because you're going to have less uh, gold in the pot at the end of the rainbow. So how are those decisions made, like that balance? Lots of factors, of course. Uh, all starts with a plan, but I mean, there's a reason I say that often. So what we'll do is we'll kind of reverse engineer and, and see how much money do they need it to make like what kind of growth curve will two percent make it for them do they need 10 if they need 10 we're in trouble um (laughs) if it's two then you you can you know be a little more conservative with how you uh, invest things and as you guys have i think figured out i'm big semantics guy so conservative is probably the wrong word in that case but you you can invest it slower so to speak and still achieve your goals Mm -hmm. yeah and uh Part of that plan, too, and uh, you you got here, upcoming windfalls or expenditures to account for, because, uh, again, that comes into play as well, right? Like you're sitting on a house or your parents are going to die and, you know, you're going to get that money. Or conversely, there's something down the road that, you know, you're going to have to pay for. Right. There could be a kid's or a grandkid's wedding or, or, or education, or uh, maybe you got to retrofit your house because you want to stay in the, the house, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. All, all those sorts of things uh, for sure. And, and so they just have to be taken into account. You know, with the, you mentioned the home equity, Fred, as an example. Uh, if you know at some point in time you're going to uh, sherpa size the home, well, maybe you can spend what you've got a little bit quicker right now because, you know, mm-hmm. 10 to 15 years from now, you're going to have that windfall to create a future income from. And this phrase, comfort level, used to be thought of as volatility. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about that and, w- and what you think it suggests. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I, th- I think this is a pretty deep thing, really, if you look at it. Uh we think of comfort level as far as the, the volatility, as you mentioned, as, as far you know, how it is, the money goes up and down. You're mm-hmm. kind of sticker shock when you check your monthly or quarterly uh, statements. But when you, you've got it in there for 20 years, who the heck really cares what happens in the second quarter of 2023? It's a, of no importance in the big picture of things. So, again, we kind of get back to where you actually make it riskier if you're too focused on the wrong uh, goal along the way. So, really, it, it, it's more comfort level for what kind of lifestyle do you want? What kind of security do you want to create? Well, it's also analogous to, you know, things we talk about in golf psychology, which or in any sports psychology, which is if you get too focused on the results, it can it there's the volatility and emotion. If you get focused on the process, then incremental changes don't affect you as much because you're sort of, as you just said, if you're in, if that portfolio is there for 20 years, then, you know, the, the day to day up and downs of it shouldn't really you're if you're getting affected by that, you're too focused on the results. Right, and and you're just majoring in minor things, as our pal Steve exactly. would say, right? And you're shooting, so, and you're shooting ninety five when you should shoot eighty five. Please, Mike. <laughs> well, um, yeah. The, the, how, how does that work? In I was just writing down your notes for my match uh, this afternoon. That's right. You and uh, I are playing today. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you know, you, you got to focus on the right thing. And the right thing isn't, uh, since we're still talking volatility, you know, it isn't what the market did or didn't do in any one given day. Who the heck cares, right? Okay. You know, if, if somebody's retired today, what the market did on March 17th of 2019 really isn't an issue at this point in time. I have a question from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Dan Duran. He says, consider asking the Sherp about the debt limit shit show and what should we do about it? It's a good question, actually, because they're a few days away of these idiots down there. You know, if people don't think it's an American problem, it could be a worldwide economical problem. And it's a good question. Should we be worried about it? Well, the papers and the, the newscasts would tell you to uh, to be. Uh, that's how we get trained. I get asked this question, of course, occasionally from people, and it's great. They're, they're paying attention. I, I guess a couple of things you might want to look at is, what does the market think about it? And it's not really overly worried if you pay attention to how it's it's been doing the last few weeks. This is just normal posturing. Uh, I, I heard the number a few weeks ago, forgotten it, of course, but I think the last 60 times this has happened once, did it ever not okay. get solved? So this is just part of the normal political posturing nowadays. It's one of the few times that the party can really kind of take advantage of a situation for their... Uh, Benefit. For their benefit. Yeah, yeah. I read, I was reading about that too, the history of this. It's going to get done. It can't not get done. Mm. It's just an opportunity for the uh, Republicans to make the the uh, Democrats look as bad as they can right up until the till the deadline and then and it will be so really yeah of course yeah, it's politics yeah that's, that's their, their job um, before we let you go uh, any updates on the uh, new baby <laughs> uh, the new puppy's doing great um, she's got a bad daddy because she snuck through a part of the fence we thought was okay yesterday into our neighbor's backyard with a pool so that mm. was very exciting mm. uh, yeah so uh leash 100 percent for the girl until she gets too big to to fit through but yeah she, she's so happy she's just uh kind of cute as as you know from the pictures. Yeah, i saw the pictures and, uh, were great yeah yeah we're we're madly in love right not even two weeks into the process and uh and and she's our girl she's much more much more satisfying than a round of golf at times. Absolutely, sure. man. Hey, uh, the Retirement Sherpa is available for your consultation. I was just looking at Facebook. Somebody said they're going to be seeing you next week. So Humble and Fred listeners to continue to uh, rally to the Sherpa side, and you can too. Tim.niblet at RaymondJames.ca. Last word as always to you. Yeah, no, uh, tons of great people, obviously, that I've met over the years, long-term clients now, really, for, for how long I've been with you guys. And uh just tons of awesome people it's it's uh, kind of screwing up my retirement right because there's too many nice people that appreciate what we do so uh no we're all good enjoy and profit and uh, have a fantastic week hopefully i'll see you this okay, afternoon my me. friend yeah you guys golfing today there uh howard that blows open the weather door well why don't we talk about the weather and how it's going to affect ladies night i don't want to talk about it because it's you know i've decided to there's just too it's too gross this afternoon. What an opportunity to talk about the weather. This afternoon is going to be uh, 13 or 14, feels like 12. I know. Jan- Johnny Slapshot has his uh, first baseball game today. Well, let me give you some advice, old guy. Wear some layers, because I've been out in this weather now for for, for a couple weeks. Uh, before Dan joins us, my brother Stephen, uh, we were doing this thing yesterday with Ivor about high school reunions and you asked me uh, somewhat facetiously, I'm sure, who was the most famous person from my high school. Oh, really? No, well, it's not I me. I thought it was you. Well, I thought it was you. 
Why wouldn't it be? You're humble Howard, for Christ's sake. Apparently, and my brother Steve, who listens and said, he, his quote was, it turns out former uh, Premier Colin Thatcher, who maybe a lot of Eastern Canadians don't know, but he was, uh, he was, his father was Premier of the province, and Colin Thatcher uh, killed his wife and did 25 years in prison for the murder of his wife. He's, and he went to my high school. I'm, I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the, I would be in the top five, but that's not saying much, but I, well, you I'm, brought, I'm definitely, you brought a lot more joy to the world than he did. <laughs> oh, did I? Thank you. Well, one thing I will say about Colin Thatcher is I was about between ages 11 and 16. I worked at our golf course, little Howie Glassman's job for a long time was cleaning golf clubs. That was what I did. And then I would golf all day. And I remember distinctly, and I'm, it's one of those memories of, you know, from a childhood, you remember how adults treat you. And some were really good. Like, I had a lot of adults in my life that mm-hmm. were good, sort of good teachers how to treat other people. But he, mm-hmm. was, he was always a prick. I remember was he? That. he was always a prick. He treated all of us like shit. His wife, who he murdered, was always like the nice sort of kind one. But he was one of those guys, rich guy, even in Moose Jaw, there's rich guys. And he was a rich guy who was just dismissed the little people. I never yeah. forgot that. I always thought that was Fucker. I was and when I found out that he was a murderer, I was like, not surprised, Colin. And why did he murder his wife? He had a bad round? Was that it? Yeah, he got excited. He got shot eighty three one day. <laughs> Went bananas. <laughs> <laughs> this is you drag golf clubs across along the highway. Yeah. He kills his wife. Oh yeah. <laughs> Didn't help his game though. No. <laughs> Uh, it's no. a great. I'll tell you what. It's one of those great books I read years ago. The story of him. It was an affair or something. And uh, anyway, what a dickwad. Uh, do you still people do, like that? Do you still have any uh, thing to do? No. Okay, I have a little bit of work. I'll do what uh, maybe after Dan Duran's news. Dan, thank you for that question. That was a great question. No, that's a good question. Yeah, I like. No, it was a great question, Dan. It's a great thank question. You. Thank you. Hey, by the way, yesterday, when we were talking about the, the hole-in-one you never had, yeah. uh, my brother sent me a video of his son last week realizing that he got a hole-in-one on a course. So they, the video picks up right after the, the shot, and they yeah. drive to the hole, and then he goes crazy when he realizes. How old is his sure. son? Three, four? No, Tom's son is like, uh, I don't like, know, late like 20s, a, okay. mid-20s. That's kind that. of the thing. My buddy Tom, who got one last week, that's the now the traditional with for smartphones is obviously you're not capturing the swing, but it's always the guys watch, videoing, videoing the guy coming up to the hole and then yeah. taking the ball out of the hole. Hey! Yeah, that was it, totally it. Yes, and it's fantastic. It was, the joy in his uh, yeah. in his face and all the rest of that was was awesome. Tom wanted me to pass it on to you. That's great. And what the big thing about that was is that I haven't heard from Tom. I mean, we play Wordle every day, but I just really haven't talked to Tom recently. But I figured it out that he's actually listening to this podcast now, so he's sort of maybe catching up a little. Oh, Tom! It's good yeah. to have you along, Tom. You're always Tell one of my me. always one of my favorite Geberts. That's not it. Now, here's to a there fella named Anduran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Anduran, the anchor man, comes as fast for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Danderan, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang, so he don't care And his voice is nice and low 
My voice is nice and low. That's right, his voice is nice and low. And everywhere he goes, people want to know, is that Dan Duran? It's Dan Duran. And now live from Lisa's house with news and views, movie superstar, movie anchor, and uh, his IMDb is Chock-a-Block with Chock-a-Block. That's right, Fred. With credits. Chock-a-Block. What, is it? what does that even mean? I don't know. As soon as I said it, I knew I was going to be fucking mocked. Chock-a-Block. Chock-full. Chock-full. With credits. <laughs> And now, here's Dan Duran. Okay, all right, we talked about this earlier. Texas House Speaker Dade Phelan, spectacularly drunk at his job in Texas. And uh, we wanted to, to get the uh, the audio for this, so I, yes. I have it. Are you Thank you, Dan. Here we, go. here we go. This is the guy. He's in charge of the, the, uh, the House there. He's Speaker of the House, running the whole meeting. Here we go. Mr. Campbell, send out a amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? <laughs> And the jury has done the members adopted. <laughs> the chair recognizes Mr. Mr. Johnson of Harris. Mr. Johnson of Harris to speak in opposition to the bill. <laughs> the chair recognizes Ms. Niave Criado to speak in opposition to the bill. Ah, <laughs> 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 almost sounds strokey. That's great. How fucking drunk are you that you think, okay, I'll go into the, I'll go back into the, the building and start talking to these people. And how screwed up is it there? Nobody said anything. The whole, you know, session, nobody said anything about it. What? Until afterwards, nobody objected. Say, hey, wait, you know, maybe you should uh, back off the mic there or maybe turn it over to somebody. The whole, not, not at all. Now the Texas AG is uh, investigating the incident. The Texas AG, who is also under indictment for fraud at the moment. Texas is just one wonderful yeah. place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they thought he was having a stroke, but even if they if they did, they may have interjected. But yeah, are you are you okay? Would yeah, are you okay? Thing? Exactly. Wait a are you okay? Uh-huh. And so he was suspended. Will he be able to come back to his job? I don't think he's suspended. Oh. He hasn't said anything about it. Oh, he's not but suspended. Think, yeah, you, you'd think that this would, like, right after this. Mr. Campbell, send out an amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? And the chair has done the amendment. adopted. Would have been, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Everything okay over there? Dan, um, you, you mentioned Texas being crazy. Um, Do you have another story? Or... Uh I do, but it's not important. You know, where the show is long right now. So. Oh, it's going no, no, no. I, I was going to say, you know, again, another example of us hop, uh, jumping all over American politics and stuff goes on up here that sort of flies under the radar for whatever reason. You know, they got that David Johnson guy, a friend, a pal of the Trudeau family to look into whether there should be an inquiry into uh, Chinese influence in our elections, in our day-to-day life. And he comes out and says, no, there's no need for an inquiry. And it's actually shameful. It's actually embarrassing for this this country. And again, if that was an American equivalent, we'd probably be talking about it. Mm. And again, but it's not sexy. It's Canada. But again, you look at most of the scribes in Canada, most of the commentators, it's like an embarrassment to this country. He's a Trudeau guy. He's, you know, uh, uh, involved with his family over the years, a liberal. And no, we don't need an inquiry. It's it's a joke. And um, 
But it's Canada, so we don't seem to care. Is there any audio of him getting drunk anywhere? Because that would make it. <laughs> just... yeah, but see, there you go. Like there you go. If that so you're, was ta- you're Trump, talking, you're talking about that the foundation, right? No, I'm talking. No Chinese influence. Oh, See, the we Chinese don't even influence. Know the story. Yeah. No, no. I just mixing up the two stories because there's that whole China. That there's yeah. the foundation that Trudeau is involved with, but no, this that's a whole story other also. Story. Is, there's more to it though. That that okay, he's been investigating. He says there's no point of an inquiry, but Pierre Polyev has been invited to look at the uh, secret uh, documents, mm-hmm. and he declined to do that. Right. Okay. Is there any? Is there any audio of some Chinese people drunk? Here we, see, and <laughs> here we go. And even in Canada, see the what aboutism. Hmm. But it's um, the what about? What do you mean? So have an inquiry then. Well, but anyway, that, so well, just because you uh, have something, okay. I agree. Inquiries are, are notoriously expensive and take mm-hmm. a freaking long time. Yeah. But if the roles were reversed, you'd be all in. I'm just saying, it's just the way the world works now. So, well, anyway, just, okay. <laughs> I'm not saying that, that don't investigate it. I think mm-hmm. it needs to be brought to light, but an inquiry. I'd like to it. investigate this bit, mm-hmm. sucking all the fun out of the end of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Howard, the thing, we can rant and rave about Trump and all the we things. We weren't ranting and, and raving about Trump. Was, no, I know we do, though. And, no, I know we do. You have a Canadian uh, situation like this, and it's just... It's just not even a thing. It's just, it, it fascinates me. It fascinates me. It doesn't interest me. I don't find it interesting. It's that time of the week, even though uh, it's not Thursday. Normally, Mike shows up on a Thursday because now we're not doing a Thursday show. Thursday is the email show, which we have to start re, um, recording soon. So let's say hi to Mike. Toronto Mike. I don't even know what his last name is. He, he's just like one of those single name guy, T.O. Mike. What's going on, my friend? The reason you guys don't win an award is because if you've noticed, these awards are going to very uh, targeted niche subject matters. So you got Paul just talking Beatles. You have Larry just telling stories. That's how they win awards. You guys have a vast like targeted. We're targeted. You're you're, you're a vast spectrum. There's no weather category. He's right. Your best bet, the best bet for you guys to win an award is Swing Thoughts. Like, that's your best yes. bet. Yes. By the way, speaking of Swing Thoughts, why isn't it on Spotify? I didn't I didn't know it wasn't on Spotify. Somebody said they were talking lo- about? Yes, it is. Somebody said they couldn't find it on Spotify. Yeah, but I have people say they can't find our show on Spotify. Dan, see if you can find Swing Thoughts on Spotify. They're on, they're on Spitify or something. Like, once we stop, I'll go see it. But I'm pretty sure. I mean, I go check on a couple of things, like Apple and Podcast Addict, and I heard it there, and I played it there, but I don't know if I check Spotify. You don't use Spotify, do you, Mike? I don't like it. I don't like the uh, in- I, interface. Yeah, I don't think we're on Spotify. And by the way, you know, we can have the discussion about some inquiry and Trudeau's friends next week, but now we have a bit of a schedule, Freddie, remember? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Toronto Mike, uh, tell me uh, what, what's going on. Uh, you had something about Herman's Hermits. Oh, I uh, was yeah seeding you a song to queue up. Uh, I've heard you guys talk about Herman's Hermits quite a bit. Uh, Fred, you were a big fan, right? No, I was a big fan. Okay. I liked them as a kid. Yeah, yeah I liked yeah. them as a kid. I knew all their songs. I love Herman's Hermits. Yeah, I, I was a big Peter Newman fan. Yeah. Peter what a jam. Okay. So next week you have on your show a guy named Harvey Lisberg. He's like, uh, he is to Herman's Hermits what uh, Brian Epstein was to the Beatles. He was their manager? 
He was their manager. He helped them break through. And he also managed 10CC and a bunch of other cool bands. But wow. He's going to come on and tell stories about Herman's Hermits. I love that. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember how I got into it, but there was like a big part of my sort of childhood singing along with like Mrs. Brown you've got to and Henry VIII was a huge song we just yeah we've had this discussion Damn it, Mike. That's uh, that's Wednesday show next week. Is Harvey yeah. Lisberg and his uh, stories from managing uh, Herman's Her- Herman's Hermits, Ten CC, and other bands. You know, one of my favorites was Leaning on a Lamppost. That's right. You know, the quick patter. Leaning on a lamppost. Lady comes by. Oh me. Oh my. Till the certain lady comes by. By the way, you said something yesterday. Go ahead. But just remind me about something you said yesterday. Has been was bugging me all day long where I'd heard it. But go ahead. I said yes. Oh, I'll remember no, I now. said I just called up Swing Thoughts on Spotify, and it's a different show. It's Swing's Thoughts, Luke and Andrew yeah. peel the onion back on the most complex matters in the world of golf. What's I think, that all about? yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's ever been so, put on Spotify. Oh, you mean it's never been on Spotify? I thought you just meant this episode didn't go to. It's Spotify. It's never been on Spotify, Mike. Oh. Okay, because oh. I, I inherited this mid, like, you know, you changed yeah, no, the... I know, I know, I changed that, dude. Can you, I can add it to Spotify in a heartbeat. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you. All right, okay. I thought you meant this episode. So yesterday... Anyway, what'd they say? Well, yesterday you, you had said, that's toward the end of the show, about your, like, when we were talking about drinking our parents' booze and we would put a little bit of each of their yes. bottles into another bottle. And uh-huh. and I did this. We all did that. Right. I mean, Dan didn't do it because he had no. to. It was drinking. He was drinking the blood of Jesus, and they only came in one bottle. <laughs> didn't do that. Of course you didn't. Because you were too good. Yeah, I was too good. That's yeah. not something. That was that was crossing the line. That's a, that was a line yeah. too well, far. Well, listen, I met you a, a preacher man. I met you a couple of years after you left your parents' home, and you had so you started crossing some lines. I saw it there. Yeah, I saw when it. I got out of man. got out of the place. Yeah, out of Didsbury. Yeah, not once did my dad ever say to me, "Freddie, don't take all different kinds of my booze and put it in one bottle." So I never thought I was. <laughs> That's right. Not to do that. Yeah, Lou Glass. <laughs> Lou Glassman never said. By the way, just everyone. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't want you drinking all my booze and putting it in a bottle and getting hammered mm. out behind Palliser Heights. But you said to you, us, me, whatever we're talking about, you said you called it something. And I'm like, you called it Kickapoo something juice. Big Dick's Kickapoo Joy Juice, I used yeah. to call it. And for some reason, I was thinking about that often. I'm like, where did I hear that? Maybe it was you, but I think it's from the Clampets. Oh, maybe. Yeah. It, it reminded me of something. Is Does that not ring a bell? Kickapoo, yes, kickapoo, kickapoo yeah. joy juice. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking it came from you. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Other than the fact that I thought about it all day. Uh, Toronto, Mike, are you well? I feel great. Yeah, my headache's gone. I have no more symptoms. I'm 100. percent Yeah. Are people feel- being are people being nice to you? <laughs> well, you know, some people, sure. They yeah, better be. They <laughs> fucking better be. Dan Duran, I wish you the best of this humble and Fred long weekend. The email show is tomorrow now. Mm-hmm. Right. Thursday email show now. Thursday email show. Uh, right. Next week, the uh, manager of Herman's Hermans. And uh, who else is on the show? Oh, we have your personal death doula. Oh, yeah. This is a woman that wants, well, actually has offered to kill us both. So I zoomed with her because we had to check out her tech and her audio setup, yeah. and I had a nice. She's lovely, and she's going to guide you into uh, you know dust and bones land. Uh, Love it. She's going to be your guide. Um, uh, did you hear the uh, Paul Romanek uh, segment? Yeah. Yes. That um, if you could, maybe that Mark Askin. I don't know if you can get a, 
being on the show. Oh, I have his email. Uh, yeah, because I had interfaced with him when he Who was that again? All right. Oh. Um, producer of uh, oh yeah hockey night in canada producer okay uh thanks to everybody on facebook thanks to everybody that listens to the program thanks to toronto mike for producing the program thanks to dan duran for anchoring the program uh thanks to the nominating committee for once again overlooking the great (laughs) (laughs) the great work we're doing in weather it's it's just as well we don't win an award then we'd have to go to a dinner Mm. Oh, no. They have no budget you know, for that. Like, yeah. We don't know who's doing the awards. We're making it up as they go along. We got like, several categories we could enter in. We got weather category. We could shit yourself category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Resting heart rate category. Resting heart rate. <clears throat> yeah, all right. that category. We got a lot of categories. Uh, well, anyways, uh, we'll see you all uh, back here on Monday. <laughs> This episode of Hubble at Red was brought to you by The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, Architect, Outdoor Living, and our newest and returning sponsor, Palma Pasta. We read all those emails. We got that Thursday show for the summer, that email show, coming up. Hubble and Fred at HubbleandFredRadio.com is where you can get a hold of us. Liking and subscribing helps us out, so does writing a review and giving hearts and stars to us as well. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Durant, and remember, you should rant and rave more about Canada. Enjoy every goddamn day. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?